Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. Every action you take to help the late talkers in your life is important, that the fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is a really big topic. What we're going to be talking about today is obsessions. And I'm going to be sharing with you today five questions that you will be able to use to research what you need to know regarding obsessive behavior. Plus, I'm going to give you five tips to expand your child's obsessive behavior into spoken learning opportunities. While I know some people are joining me because I know this is a really big topic, I want to share a couple things with you. And the whole reason that I do these videos is because of what I'm going to share with you right now. I um, also do a podcast where I do interviews. And I've just had a mom who's been following me for some time, hi Sumya, put in an application to be on my podcast. So she's going to be on to tell her story. But Again, the whole reason I do these videos is because I know that not everybody can afford to work with me as a client, and many of you out there are using these videos as your source to help the late talker in your life. And so here's what she says. She's a mom of a nine-year-old late talker. That's pretty old to be late talking. And so all of the worry, all of the panic, all of the stuff that many of you parents of older late talkers are feeling, this is where she was. And so she was looking, came online just like you are, looking for strategies that parents can implement because she stays home all day with her late talker. And first she read the book, if it isn't fun, it isn't fun. And then she got the independent study program. Now, what she does now, because she is completely independently learning. This interview we're doing is gonna be the first time I'm talking to her, but here's what she did and here's my advice to you. She goes through the YouTube videos. She learns about the strategies. Every single video, there's more than 500 videos on my platform full of strategies. You can keyword search the issue that you're dealing with your late talker and find strategies. She writes down the important points. She follows the strategies and she puts effort to take her child to the next level. This is what's necessary, everybody. This is what I coach the people in my programs to do. And if you are learning independent, you got to be like Sumia. Listen to this. She doesn't even consult her speech therapist, her child is nine. He has seen a speech therapist who tried to get him to imitate words. And obviously it wasn't the way she wanted. What does she do? She stops speech therapy. Instead of wasting her time, taking her child to someone else, she learned how to do it herself. And she replaced it with language facilitation. And now all her family members say there is a drastic positive change. And this is for Sumya and she's in India. So if you're in India, you can get these books, all of them on Amazon and on Notion Press. The links are in the description of this video. So the real thing that I need to tell you before this is as obsessed as your child is, as stuck as they seem to be in their obsession, you have the power, the ability 
and you have everything you need in these videos on the Waves of Communication platform to get the results you're looking for, just like Sumia is. Now, her sons, I'm sure he's not a fully-fledged language chatterbox, but I'll bet he understands more than one language, and I bet he's starting to talk on his own without her having to prompt and pull words out of him, and that's why she's so happy to share her story, and this is what I want for everybody. So, let's get into this. What we're going to be talking first about the five questions that you need to ask the late talker in your life. And here is the first question. It is why. Why is the question that you're asking? Remember, these are research questions and you want to identify the true obsession. It might be the activity might be running, pouring, dropping, videoing, you know, watching videos, but there is something specific about the late talker's obsessive behavior. You need to find out why they're doing it by analyzing the physical, the emotional, and the environmental benefit that they get from doing this thing over and over. And remember, this is the thing that they choose. This is the thing that they sneak to get. This is the thing that they want to do. Every time you offer them something else, they say, no, thank you, and they want to do this. Okay, and every time you potentially offer this, they go off off the rails with it. They don't want to involve you in it. They want to take it and do it by themselves. You have to find out why. Why is all that happening? Why are they not involving you? Why are they choosing this thing to do in this way? What it is is not as important as why it is happening if you are causing change, because remember, all of these obsessive behaviors are communication because all behavior is communication. Now, we have a language that we develop around our communication behaviors when we're using nonverbal communication. We all have our own verbal language and our own nonverbal language. And that started up from the time we were babies. How do you communicate your sadness? How to communicate your excitement? How to communicate anxiety? How do you communicate worry? How do you communicate obsession, right? Everyone communicates these things in their own way. And you need to find out why are they choosing this thing? Because you're seeing it, right? We see the communication. So number one is why. Number two is what? Now, not just what are they doing, because this is a longer answer than that. This is a, remember, a research question that you are digging in to do a complete analysis. And you have to find out break, by breaking down this activity to the bits, how do they request what they need or how do they access what they need? Is Do they have a tool they use? If it is videos on YouTube that play ABC songs, right? There are things involved. There's a phone. There is a person who has the phone. There is the channel that they like. That channel has to be producing videos or the video they're looking for has to be there in the channel that they're looking for. Or if they want to expand and look at new ones, they'll find similar ones, One, uh, another channel that will contain the same stuff, right? They know what they want. They use it over and over again. And if it doesn't match the criteria, this is what we're talking about, the aspects and criteria 
of the thing that they're doing. You have to really dig into what it actually is. What are they doing here? Are they, are, you know, because we talked about, are they entertaining themselves? That's what the why is. Are they entertaining themselves? Are they avoiding you? Are they, are they, um, you know, learning something? Are they expanding their, are they memorizing? Are they practicing? Are they, what are they doing? Why are they doing this thing over and over again? Are they bored and need something to fill that time? That's number one. Number two is what is it? So you have to consider also at this level with this question, when you look at the what question, what is it about the things that you present to the late talker? Not just they don't like it when I offer X. What is it about X that makes the late talker not do it? Now, you might think it's just that it's not what they like. It's just something else, anything else. But the reality is because your late talker chose their thing, I'm sure it depends on the level of their obsession where how they won't come away from it. But that only happens over time where a late talker has learned consistently that the only place they can get what they want is from this obsessive activity. And if there is nothing else in the world that could give them that obsessive activity, then we're talking about a level of addiction that you can't deal with. But I promise you in 90 plus percent of your cases, because it happens with 90 plus percent of the families in my program, you know, unless you've got a child with a real physiological need that they have to do that for, that's not an obsession, that's a necessity. Remember, late talkers, anyone who has an obsession sees that obsession as a necessity. Anyone who's addicted to smoking or anything like that, shopping, sex, anything you're addicted to potentially is a need. You see it as a need and you see it as a need that you can't be without. So you got to see what is it? What is it that you need? What are they needing? In a cigarette, it's the nicotine. In a drink of alcohol, alcoholic beverage, it's the alcohol. It's the feeling they get from that thing, that one aspect. And they know that cigarettes contain that thing, addicts. So an obsessed late talker knows that this channel has the videos that sing the songs that they like. So they're always going to go there. Right. So this is the same. This is why you look at you have to know what it is that they're jonesing for. What are they looking for? OK, number three, when you need to answer this question, because the when is the trigger question, you have to find out why is, you know, we know why it's happening, but we have to know what caused it to become obsessive because the the reason that they did it in the first place right this is what the when is now we know they had a need but the when triggered the need because you don't have the same needs all the time 24 7. when you say my child needs you know think about your own sensory needs for example you don't need caffeine 24 7. in fact sometimes you better not have it at some point you get too much of it and then it becomes a negative, right? Late talkers who are obsessed, they don't know how to balance, but they are constantly and very easily reminded if they are obsessed with something, all you got to do to a smoker is light up around them and they're going to grab their cigarettes. Same thing with the late talker. All you've got to do is trigger 
the fact that their obsession is in the vicinity and, and they will drop other things to go for it because it's always a preference. They see it as a need. In fact, even when they don't really physiologically need it, they think they need it and that's why they go get it and it turns into obsession. Remember, it's a habit. They just think they need this much of it. But really, they just don't know how to balance what they need and or they're afraid or they've had a previous experience where they were deprived of this thing. And this is what usually happens in the families of lay talkers who have ever been in any kind of therapy where they use a reinforcement system. They have analyzed your child to see what triggers them to be happy and they're withholding those things to get them to work. Okay, if that has been the experience of anyone, it triggers obsession into that thing. That's why people who are obsessed with weight loss are bulimic. They cannot stop the fact that they need to eat. They know what it does to their body. They want to take control over that need they can't control if they could control themselves to stop eating don't you think they would right remember that's where they need help because they are triggered to do the obsessive activity by whatever you identify with this question what was it what trauma what need what is it because we know what it does for them why they do it because it makes them feel away but what caused them to feel off kilter where they have to get their balance back in place? This is what you find out with the when question, okay? I know these are really digging deep, but we're talking about a mental choice, a mindset choice. I'm obsessed with this. I believe this thing is better than anything else in the world. And they do. You have to believe. You can't decide. You can't change someone else's mind is what all this is about, but you can find out how their mind got there, okay? And this is the next thing that you need to investigate in your plan. Who is it that demonstrated or modeled this option? Where did they learn it? Now, they could have been first introduced by one source and then another source showed them how to expand it. Like, oh, you're like this? Let me turn you on to this. It's like when somebody first buys an Instapot and then everybody around them goes, oh, I joined a Facebook group about that or I know this YouTube channel about it. And then you can go in the whole rabbit hole of Instapot research, right? Because you just got it. It's new in your life and you want to expand your learning about it. You could become obsessed. And then remember, you only have so much time in a day. Are you now giving up other ways to cook for Instapot cooking because it's healthier or you want to do it or it saves time? Or are you just really spending more time spinning your wheels about this thing? Is it improving your life? And if so, that's an evolutionary thing that you can be obsessed about for a while. But then the obsession fades when you get good at it. And that's typical. That's normal, right? That's what we're hoping for. Because we do need to get obsessed about things to learn about them. But what triggers us to be obsessive in a positive way is curiosity and expansion. We're going to be talking about that in the tips. But who is it that's showing your lay talker that this comfort zone level of existence is the better way for them than 
learning and exploring and getting out? Could it be you? Could you be offering this obsession to the late talker as a way to free up time for you to do other things? Could you be the one who's offering it? Or if maybe if you introduced it the first time and then you never showed boundaries around that thing, then it's the late talker who has learned from you that there are no boundaries around this obsession. That You can have it whenever you want, as long as you want, because you didn't put any boundaries around it. Okay. Who was it who set that up? Who was it? could be somebody on a video. Remember, I'm motivated to get you to stay on videos and watch videos for me. I'm going to make videos entertaining and exciting. So you stick it out as exciting, as interesting and useful as they can be. So you stick around and watch me. Is what you're offering to the late talker doing that, taking that responsibility? Something is because it's attracting this. It's teaching more about this thing. Otherwise, the late talker would not be interested. So it's they're interested in someone. And it, it is person, a person on a video, a person in real world, because this is how late talkers learn. They watch people and they see, whoa, that person was really successful. I want to be like them. And then they try and do it. Okay. Now, here's the number five question you need to ask about this. Where? Identify the specific opportunities in your everyday life that will allow this obsession a place, a time, and freedom to be explored more. If you love it so much and it meets a need, it has to be included. And you have to allow, but you have to introduce your boundaries, right? And you also have to include and be inventive about opportunities, additional opportunities that also meet those needs and that are win-win situations for you. Because if you're watching this video, you're potentially seeing obsessive behaviors that you're not being involved in. A connection is being severed. And you're motivated because that's what you've learned on my channel is that the only way to get a late talker to start talking about what they want and what they know and what they believe and what they feel is by connecting with them and learning what those things are and sharing the knowledge and examples of spoken language that they can learn from. That's what language facilitators do. And a late talker who's obsessed with Anything, pouring, spin, spinning, running, jumping, eating, anything that they're obsessed with that they're not involving you in the process is what is keeping them stuck in comfort zones. They just expect you to deliver their opportunity to do their obsession and then everybody's happy. I'm happy, you're happy, I'm quiet, I'm not doing anything, but you realize it's not getting you anywhere. And the late talker doesn't care. They're in comfort zones. When they are feeling like exploring, they'll choose to interact with things that are interesting to them. And that's what we're going to move into now. So just like all my videos for all of you watching, this is a coaching and Q&A video. And I know people are popping in and off. And I know this is a really long video and it's hard for people to watch live. So most of you will be watching on the replay. But if you are watching live and you have a child who has obsessive behavior, go ahead and put your question here. I actually have a question from one of my Waves of Communication community clients 
who has this issue going on. And we're going to talk about that after I give you five tips. Let's get back to what we're going to do here. We're in the second half of this. Five tips to expand obsessive behaviors, obsessive communication behaviors, because all behavior is communication. You're going to be expanding these into learning opportunities. So let's get into the strategies that are going to help you with this obsessive behavior. And again, if you have a question, post it in the comments. Okay. Letter A tip is to demonstrate how fun the new activity that you have invented is going to be. And you do this through your own experience. Because remember what we just talked about was late talkers learn from observation. And if they see you enjoying an experience without, you want to try prompting, joining, pressure, any of that, and just open invitation. Look what I'm doing. This is so cool. Wow. I'm having so much fun. It's tasty. All the things, the whys that your late talker is looking to experience in this new activity, you're going to highlight those things and talk about how you are experiencing them. And you need to get super excited about your genius ideas. Remember, this is what the late talker is doing. They've got genius ideas about how to access their obsessions. And that's why they're if they like to sprinkle things there, I've got families that are stealing flowers off of people's pujas and they're tearing them up and throwing them in the airs. Now, that's triggering these aunties to be obsessed and chase them and give them in, in, in some interaction. And he gets to see this thing, but it's obviously not an obsessive behavior that his mother wants to continue. It's not nice. It's not socially appropriate. And it's not kind. It's not considering someone else's feelings in the process. So what she did was she offers paper for her child and a place to tear it into little pieces, to pick it up and shake it and pour it and do all those things that he wants to. And at the same time, she reminds him that these flowers belong to someone else and there's an important reason that they stay where they are, right? And she reminds her son all the time about that. And since she already incorporates the fact that he can do what he wants into his life, he does it. But now she didn't say, here's paper. She sat down with the paper and tore it slowly and tore it slowly and tore it slowly right in front of her late talker. And she let him tear a little, but she didn't make him do anything. She did the thing. And then she made the pieces smaller and she made the pieces smaller and she made the pieces smaller to build anticipation about it. And then she said, watch me, I'm going to do it. And she sprinkled them and it was like hooked. He wanted to take those things and go away, and she let him. She lets him do that. But every time she offers him one, she offers this same explanation again. Now, does her son need it every time? No. And does he steal those flowers? No. But he has time that he can watch his stuff fall and have it all himself. And again, you need to talk about how this looks like flower petals. Now they look like flower petals. You can find your own. You can make your own, right? And this is part of what we're talking about. Now, B is another thing that you can do here. So 
I call this childhood, right? Bring back a super fun activity from childhood. Childhood is literally last week, last month, or last year, depending on how old your child is. This is something you did last summer or last winter or last whatever. It, a thing that happened maybe by accident where you turned on the sprinkler in the yard and everybody had a good time and everybody got wet and muddy and then everybody went in and took a shower and and it was one of those experiences now it was a mess and it was all a big day but it was so memorable that if you brought up this idea again your late talker would be down to try now the experience won't be the same because the last time it happened spontaneously and it was whatever but this is what you do. You This new activity automatically seem easy and fun and familiar. And then what you do is you use familiar objects. You like get out the hose. Remember this? You get out their old jersey. Remember this? And then they'll be older. They'll be bigger. They'll be more advanced. They know what that thing is. They know how to use it. They're taking their previous knowledge and they're putting it into this new thing. And this is how you use the parts of your brain that you would be obsessed about doing, obsessed about doing. But something that was so fun and exciting from your past, like a party situation, you know, you need to be creating these often because most kids are stuck in obsessive behaviors out of boredom and lack of change and new things. And if you're getting ready to go on summer holidays, you better start to plan to put things into your life that not only meet these obsessive needs, offer opportunity to practice them, but, you know, use old ones and bring them back and evolve them, right? Because that's what C is. You're going to demonstrate ways that they can actually experience more of their obsession. They can take it bigger because, of course, within your boundaries. It's not like, oh, you love videos. Now you can watch videos eight times a day. No. What are, remember, it's not just the activity. It, there's a reason the activity is chosen. They are potentially learning something from these videos. And all they are is the same thing over and over and over again. You using those videos as a source, like I coach my families to do. So if your child loves to watch videos, have them watch videos of their own selves, right? Because they'll be obsessed about watching themselves eat and they'll be obsessed about watching themselves do things. And then you can offer language facilitation opportunities while they're doing that, okay? They don't have to be watching the same random ABC cartoon stuff over and over again. They can be watching the events that you facilitate all week on the videos that you do. This is how they get more screen time within your boundaries through efficiency, right? So... Okay, it's it's an allowed, it's a win-win situation. These are the contracts that you're creating. And then you want to use tools that they can be used to be more efficient so or, or independent as well. So if there is a, you know, like these this paper tool that um, my one mom set up for her little guy, she set up a box with paper that is a go-to thing, that is a new tool that he can use as an obsession. It's like when people put a mini trampoline in your house because your late talker won't stop jumping off the countertops, right? And you put that in there because they need to jump and you can't go out to the park every day. 
and this allows it. I put a cat door in my patio door because my cat is obsessed with going outside and going under the house as I live in a mobile home now and she can get under there. She found her way in and she remembers that from when she was a kitten. She used to live with my mom in a mobile home and she was originally a street cat that came in off the street. This experience from her kittenhood she was obsessed. She was every day, meow, meow, meow. I want to go out. So I put in a cat door and now she uses the thing 24 seven and she's expanding her opportunities to go out. Now there are times I can shut it if it's raining or I don't want her to be out there. It's nighttime or whatever. So I can create boundaries around that. So I just did it with my cat. You can change obsession into win-win situations when you teach around it, right? This cat, she knew how to use a cat door because my mom had one, you know, when she was a kitten. This cat's old. She's like over 10 years old. And as soon as I put this cat door in, she was out in a flash, in and out, in and out, in and out. And I saved my air conditioning and I don't hear her meowing all the time and it's win-win. So this is it, you guys, right? It's demonstrating ways that they can use their obsessions. They're smart. It's developing incredible brains in these kids. They're becoming physics experts. They're, they're learning cause and effect. They're memorizing an incredible amount of facts in multiple languages languages potentially. And there's just a lot going on in the heads of these kids that are obsessed with behavior. They are busy with their hands because their mind is also busy, right? It makes sense when you think about obsessive stuff. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? You're thinking before you act always, right? That's how we as humans work. So teach them how to do it. All right. There's two more tips I've got for you. D is to plan a trip. Okay. Plan a trip because it can be short or long. It can be a day trip or an overnight trip. It can be in your city or it can be in another country. It doesn't matter. It's new. And the planning and execution of the trip will take you outside of your comfort zone. But here is the key. In your trip planning, you have to offer the obsessive activity, the obsession obsession as a choice activity, right? Frequently while traveling, you need your video, you need your thing, you need your whatever because you've worked out like an hour a day or whatever that you let your child have this obsessions because everybody needs at least an hour a day to do what we need to do, feel better, at least an hour. Think about how much time your late talker spends with his obsession and just cut it back a little because the other things you're going to be doing are replacing, right? So trips are amazing time fillers. And then there are rules with other places that we have to comply with that. It's like, oh, we can't take our phones in here. It says no phones. We can't take our whatever in here. There's, it's not allowed. And we've got to be present in the moment and, and interacting together because I've got to keep you safe as we travel because there's potential dangers here. I've got to show you what's available for us to explore. If we're sleeping overnight, we've got to sleep somewhere. We've got to eat somewhere. We've got to wash. We've got to go potty somewhere. All these things you've got to do 
when you're traveling, you just got to do anyway. You're just doing differently. You've been doing them at home, but now you're going to do them somewhere else. And you make sure you take with you those obsessions, if it's the videos, if it's whatever. And what you do is if you see the need arising, you say, do you need a little of this? You need a little of that. You need a little of this. You need a little of that. And then they'll take it, but you give it with boundaries. You say, all right, you can watch a video while we're waiting in line. You can watch a video because if it's a five-hour wait at Disney World, you know what I mean? You've got to have your tools to make the experience feel good. Because if you're fighting with, you can't have the phone, that's all they're thinking about is I can't have the phone. How are they going to learn to wait? They're not. They'll only learn to wait if you make it easy enough for them. So what you do is you observe what it takes for you to help them choose to explore something new instead of that other thing. Because over time, they will choose the obsession less and less and less as long as what you're offering is new and exciting and fun. And you're demonstrating through your own personal experience, not this is going to be fun for you. Go try it and I'll see you later. We, it's connection. Watch how fun this is for me. I'm going to do it. And then what's going to happen is that mirrors out to these late talkers that they have a choice about what they think is fun and also that you want to know what they think is fun. You want to know about it because you're talking about it. I love how this makes me feel. I love that it makes my tummy quizzly. I love that it makes my mouth fizzy. I love that my tummy went up into my head when we went down the slide. I loved how fast it went. I love how brave I felt. I love this experience. And then your late talker is going to go, wow. I want some of that. I want to love my experiences. I want to be like mom and dad. They already do want to be like you. So you show them, hey, this is how you have fun like me. Not this is how you struggle like me. This is how you work hard like me. They learn that too from observing you do those things. And those things you don't hesitate to talk about. Man, this is hard. How come no one's helping me? These groceries are so heavy. Like you talk about your own experiences. That's what we did in the analysis part of this video is talking about these late talkers experiences. Okay, so plan a trip and observe what it takes. Take those obsessions with you and observe what it takes to get them to leave it. Okay, and get excited when they leave it say i love when you connect with me i love when you look at me i love when you play with me i love don't talk about those other things you want them to change and forget about those things and then they're not obsessions anymore then it's just a treat a sometimes thing that you get a few times a day to make you feel better because there's they always make you feel better it's why why kids go and steal the baby's pacifier even though they gave it up a long time ago, they're not feeling good. They're going to go get the baby's pacifier. Okay. So, all right. So I see people are liking and I see in a comment that Keegan says, this is great stuff. So glad that you're watching. And um, as a favor to me, would you please like this video wherever you're watching? Because that really helps me. And remember, if there are other parents, you know, who have late talking kids, just share Waves of communication. Just say, go to YouTube, start watching videos, and they'll figure out if they like to listen to me talk and give ideas and strategies about late talkers. They'll figure it out for themselves. You figured it out for yourself, and thank you for joining me. That's how the best way to support me. So, 
I really appreciate that. And she says, how do we calm down nonverbal? The reality is, I mean, all your child's mobility is behavior. All behavior is communication. So the bigger the nonverbal behavior is, the bigger the messages that your child has. And so if you want to get that reeled in and dialed down and focused up, in fact, that's what my video was called this week. My energy was finding your focus point. This is what's required with a late talker who's all over the place, right? If they're, you know, they're not calm, they're all over the place. They're not even organized enough to be obsessed. They're just kind of blah, 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 all over, right? And that's why you're not feeling calm as a mom, as a caregiver. And so these issues, the, the things that we talked about here, this analysis is going to help you find out even why is there chaos? Ask these questions to get down to the root of the chaos. You have to. Otherwise, you're just throwing random solutions at it and adding to the chaos. Organization is what squishes chaos, is what helps you see through it helps you get out of it, help you learn from it and use it to build on skills, right? Which is what the other thing that I have here. So if it is technology, that is your child's obsession. I've done a whole video. It's called, I'm going to show you the, the thumbnail right here. Come on. There it is. Trade tech time for talk time challenge. You can just go to my website and type set tech to the ways of communication YouTube channel. And you'll find that video. And what it does is it gives you more strategies to replace tech time with the connection and exploring and things like that and things like getting outside. And now that the seasons are changing, using seasonal weather, talking about all that stuff, these are the things that are going to help you shift your child out of obsession with tech. And remember, it happened out of habit. And habits can be changed. But it's not so easy, you see. Um, when I talk about the for the families in my program, that's why in my workbook, I created this chart here, which is the seven levels of connection with the language facilitator. And what you're analyzing here is how connected is the late talker with you as they go through their life? Are they like when they were babies, just laying on the floor and letting you take care of them? Do they expect you to bring food? Do they expect you to feed them? Do they expect you to carry them places that they won't even walk by themselves? That's level one. They're or at level one is actually that they're afraid of you and they don't want to interact with you at all. This is how they'll be with strangers, with people who they don't want to interact with whatsoever. And here, level two is where they become like, I don't know, I don't have anything. I don't have any responsibilities for this connection myself. I give all the responsibility to an adult or someone else. I'm alone. I'm on my own. I have whatever. And then at level three, they see you as a, as a influencer in their life and they choose to tune out, right? Level two is 
they tune in because they don't, you know, when they have to, when their needs are met, when they're whatever. And that's level three, unless they are using you as a source because now they can move around here. They're just letting you take care of them like the babies do. Right. So this would be a baby who's with an unfamiliar person. This is a baby who's with a mom. This is a child. This is pretty much everybody else who's nonverbal is level three. And they will swap back down into level two where they're like, you know, as long as you show them in your environment that you will anticipate all their needs, you'll read their mind, you'll solve every problem for them, you'll hand over hand help them do all their stuff, or you'll just dress them while they watch videos, you'll feed them while they do other things, that's level two. Level three, they know what you're doing and they're manipulating you like you're manipulating them, level three. It's not connected. It's me in my head thinking about what I need and you in your head thinking about what you need and you trying to make me do something and me trying to make you do something. And if it doesn't connect, we're out. That's level three. Level four is the minimum, the minimum that will get you into spoken language. And that's you giving the late talker spoken language for every nonverbal communication they give you. When they are frustrated and angry, they need to know how to communicate that with speech. When they are happy and excited, they need to know how to communicate that with speech. As a matter of fact, they need all these things. They need to know how to analyze, apply, compare, describe, develop, evaluate, examine, explain, identify, infer, interpret, make decisions, reflect, and understand, and that's just a few of the things that they need demonstrations for to understand how language works. You have choices, all these things. Most people just use demands or labels. It's a cat. I want a cat. It's a cup. I want a cup. Where's the cup? What color is the cup? That's all here. This is what the child is trying to communicate with you. And yes, it's needs-based. Starts there because that's why they come to you in the first place is to get you to do things for them, you know. But eventually they care that you care about what they're thinking right? They care that you care if they're angry. And so they want you to talk about that, not just solve their problem for them. Talk about why. And so when you have a child who's obsessed, they're going to be here. And then when we look at their level of expression, there's a whole nother chart for that. This is spoke levels of spoken language expression. A child who's in nonverbal, they're just saying the words they like because they like them. And because they like to get you to give them what they want. But even here, it's not needs-based. This is just a behavior. These are all behaviors. It's not real language. It's speech or behavior that gets you what you need. This is language where you say, push me more, push me faster, daddy. When I, you know, what gets them more of what they want. When they learn, that's why always the speech therapist teach you to say more and please. Because once they learn it's a cookie, then they have to expand to ask for more. Why would they would ask for it? Because they want more or they want another one. So it's an expansion because all they have to do is say cookie and a cookie arrives. They didn't ask for it. All they did was label it. Right. That keeps you here. Talking about what the child does, that keeps you farther. Okay. In the workbooks, this is where all this stuff is. Let me put some of these away. 
so we can get into i see some more questions coming in so actually there is one question i want to talk about really quick that i got from one of my clients on this obsession issue and it even affects one of the things i told you to do today so uh, she has been working with her son, used to like a lot of ABC videos. In fact, ABCs is one of his obsessions. He likes to A is for this, B is for this, C is for this, D is for this, and he will line up toys or alligators or cars or vehicles or objects or pictures of everything from A to Z. That's his obsession slash superpower because he can do it with anything and it keeps him regulated, but it also keeps him isolated sometimes when he gets focused on that. Now, his mom showed him how to move away from the repetitive ABC videos into watching videos of their activities together. But now guess what he's hooked on? He's hooked on those. And his mom wants him to have less mobile time, okay? Less time on videos. And this is the 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 battle that she's trying to do. I know that this mom is working very hard. She even has a team of people. She's got her therapists working with her to help facilitate improvement. But when it's not in a prompted situation, we're building new habits. And so what happens is, is she's trying to prompt speech through watching these videos together and created a new habit of every night now we watch videos. And so I recommend that you put it on a, on a schedule or and or you switch to still pictures where you take images where he can swipe but it's not an ongoing video. I realize you don't want screen time, but if you are talking about his activities, and then the other thing is you need to be expanding. It can't just be, this is a swimming, this is a biking, this is a whatever. Use what we talked about in this video, these five questions, as you're describing the videos that he's watching or the still pictures that he's watching and i realize that you want less video time but this is his obsession and this is how you're going to use his obsession now if you want him to have less video time then you have to take away the other time that he is blindly watching abc videos you have replaced it. You can't add more video time. He has to understand the contract of the ABC videos have been replaced with this other video time. And if you'd like him to have zero tech time, that's a whole bigger issue because I don't know anyone in the world who has access to phones and videos and computers in their world that has a video less screen time, less world. A nine-year-old child, he will have screens in his life forever. Your job is to teach him how to use them to his best ability. And you worrying about if it's too much time is taking away from your ability to tell stories about his activities of the day in which he is learning a ton, ton, ton of language. In fact, that's how he learned all of his language. This little boy came to the program. His mom came to the program with him saying a million single words. Blue this, A is for this, B is for this. He could do all that, but he was not using spoken language functionally for his needs. He wasn't following directions. He was stuck in this memorized loop in his head. Now, this child asks for everything he needs. I want the big blue piece because it's bigger, right? He knows 
why and what he wants because his parents and his world has facilitated. This child also has involved himself in kindergarten and is following directions all kinds of time, able to do it in school. And they're getting ready for summer break. So there will be more tech in summer break because you don't have all those other things. It's about balance. It's about scheduling it in, learning what it is and what it does, and then identifying if it's too much or not. Because remember, there are people who spend all day in front of computers learning from them. It's just not the way that nine-year-old boys do typically. And remember, if also your nine-year-old is out in the world learning other things, lots of other things, that tech time can balance all of it and maybe they need a break. So deciding if it's too much is when you see separation. It's not too much if your child brings the information to you, at least not for language facilitation. And that's where you have to go with this. That's where you have to go. Okay, let's put this away and get to some of the questions that are coming in. Uh, let's see. Good games for two nonverbal siblings. There are videos on my channel about siblings. Watch that video. And then there are also many strategies videos. All you have to do is go to strategies. In fact, there's a whole playlist of them. So there you go, Keegan, for that. Okay, Lori says, hello, Marcy. I've seen progress using your strategies for over a month now, also working with the workbook, but I keep going back to level one mindset. Is this usual wave in the language facilitation process? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Lori, because yes, the whole reason I call it waves of communication is because yes, progress goes up. It's not linear. It is a bumpy road because remember it's spoken language development. And if we're developing spoken language literally for, let me put this away so I can show you some graphics, literally for all these things that we're trying to teach kids to use language for, not just requesting what they want, but all these things we're trying to facilitate. At some point, you're gonna think, what are we doing here? How are we going? And the lay talker's going to go through phases. So let's take a look at the mindset, right? Levels of language facilitator mindset. And remember, in all of these level charts in the workbook, there is a supplemental section that is the strategies that are designed to help you move your, your child or yourself, in this case, up the levels. And if you find yourself in level one, discouraged or doubtful, that means that you don't believe that what you have been doing is working. And let's take a look at this. You say... I've seen progress using your strategies. Now, I don't know what that progress looks like because you didn't talk about it here, but you do. You know what that progress looks like. Your child's listening better. You have better joint attention. Suddenly, there's some gobbledygook coming out of their mouth that didn't used to come out of there before. You are seeing change. You're seeing something different. But you keep going back to level one. And that's because you it, it's what we said. You're doubtful. Because remember, the kids aren't going to, it's not like a light switch. It's like learning language. If you were doing a Duolingo or if you went to visit another country and you were living there, the first thing you would do would be be quiet. You would start listening. If you wanted to learn the language anyway, you would listen and you would watch. 
And you would see if you were in the coffee shop, you know the word for coffee. And then you would listen to what people say around coffee. And then you would say, all right, that's cup. My favorite is cup of tea. If you're learning English, cup of tea. Now here I have a cup of tea, my favorite mug that says you are the best, right? And if you were just learning English for the first time, most people say, do you want a cup of tea? Now, if you are from a country where you don't know English and you're listening to someone speak like that, you might think that this is a three-syllable word called cup of tea. And then, oh, well, is there coffee in it or tea in it, right? You might think that this mug, a one-syllable word in English, is called a cup of tea because you're just listening and watching and learning. And then after you watch two or three people at the coffee shop say, I would like a cup of coffee. And you're like, oh, it's not a cup of tea. It's a cup of tea. Now I know. Oh, aha, now I'm not going to mess that up again. How silly of me. I thought it this mug thing, this cup was called a cup of tea. And this is what happens to a lot of lay talkers. And what happens is they're, they're they themselves, their mindsets are like, ah, because they're like, cup of tea, cup of tea. I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. I don't understand. I don't understand. And then they're exhausted. Even if they try, they're just so exhausted because they keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying, but they're not listening and they're not connected. When you go down, it's when you're not connected. It's when you're in your own head worrying about, am I doing it right? Is this right? Because I don't hear him. In language facilitation, that's the kicker, you guys. You don't hear it right away. When you prompt, say cookie, and you hear cookie right away, or you hear cook or e or uh, or uh, at least you know you got something. And yeah, they were listening. It's proof. You tested it, right? If you keep going down, it means you're testing too much because you don't believe for yourself that you're actually having impact. But you are, you said you are. Look, I've seen progress. <laughs> so you have to follow yourself. You have to look at yourself. And that's how you know. And if you were in my program, I would show you everything that you're doing that's positive. Take videos of yourself interacting with your child and look at how you're doing things different. Like the other mom did, like at the beginning, she said she watches things and she takes notes and she goes back and she watches again, watches in herself. Uh-oh, I didn't even hear him doing that. You'd be surprised how much you miss in the moment if you're not connected. And when you go back and watch the videos, then you see, oh, maybe I can change and connect a little bit more in this time, right? And Lori says, your mindset videos have been very helpful. That's the whole reason I do them, Lori, because every mom goes through this ups and downs. You want to hear it yesterday. I know. You want your kid talking yesterday. You want them to stop doing this behavior for communication and you want them to talk. Okay, I've only got five minutes left, so we got one more question. What can I do for my son to expand on his answers? He will only answer any questions with the minimum words. What should I do to give him more language? Stop asking questions. Look on my YouTube video, Google the word questions. You will see videos about how questions aren't working for late talking kids. It does not help them expand their language, even though everybody asks them. You have to be the one in your late talker's life to give them the answers. So think about when you ask questions. You walk in a room and say, what do you do? And you see them there playing with the toy. 
Instead of that, you say, look at you. You're playing with your toy. Wow. And you're so happy about it. You walk in the room and they're frustrated with something. Oh, look at you. Something's stuck. You're frustrated. It's stuck. You can't open it. I can help you. None of that was questions. But it was all language that the late talker needs to answer somebody else's question. What are you doing? What do you got there? What do you want? Can I help you? So you don't ask those questions. You give the answers. If you know the answer, you looking at the answer, say it. If you don't know the answer, then you say, show me what you're talking about. And then you talk about that to give them the answer. They're going to show you what they want. They're standing there frustrated trying to open the thing. Not all behavior is communication. Don't wait for more or the lay talker will, will never give it to you. They never will. You have to show them how it works and sounds and looks over and 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 over again before they will try it for themselves. Now, if it's a real big thing, they might learn the first time. If it's super scary or super fun, they learn lessons quick. But these standard everyday language happens bit by bit over a day. That's why your itinerary includes four times every day for you to be interacting and teaching your child about whatever you're doing at that time of day. And it's something different four times a day. I'm never doing the same thing four times a day. I barely do the same thing day after day. Okay. This is how you go. All right, everybody. I've got to go. Lori says, thank you. Thank you to all of you who are joining me. Like I said, live or on the replay, like this video, share the ideas with your friends, get the workbook and get started. It's up to you to facilitate the spoken language in these late talkers. They're looking to you to do it and nobody else is gonna. It's up to you. You can though, and with the resources here on the Waves of Communication page, you can get going. Now, if you wanna learn how to work with me, what you do is you visit wavesofcommunication.com. Let me pull it up right here and check it out. You can call me, we can book a call to talk about exactly how I will help your family succeed. And if you don't want to work with me, you can get the independent study program. You can find the books. You can find, like I said, more than 500 videos to learn. Get going. Learn as much as you possibly can. And then we'll get them going. So Keegan says, thank you, buddy. Extremely helpful. Yay. And thank you, too. So I really appreciate all of you joining me. Use the resources. And I'll see you all on the next video. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. With a whole range of Waves of Communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. This tool is helping parents worldwide create nonstop language facilitation opportunities that elevate spoken language beyond even their own expectations. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.